Hello and uh, welcome back to episode number 12 of Oh No No No, the Rafe Rovers podcast. We're joined this evening um, looking in the run-up to our trip to Hamden, uh, which is a bit of a rarity to say for uh, Rovers. Um, this evening joined by uh, Scott, Scott Fleming, um, a man whose consistency of appearance is now putting Craig Wilson to shame. How are you doing, Scott? Hi, I'm all good, cheers. That's great. Uh, we've got a new debutante this evening, um, a woman who, who says, Ea no quiere ir a Idaho. Small bay, we be in. Hello, good evening. So we're joined by Carol, who's joined the podcast crew now. Um, so how are you doing, Carol? I'm doing grand. Uh, you'll be pleased to know that the weather in Barcelona today was cold and rainy. Preparing ah, me for Scotland, so excellent, the sun, excellent. summer is definitely over. Uh, you've not got the, the blue skies of Burnt Island uh, behind you, as you see. Um, yes. So we've also got, uh, sticking on the Spanish theme, we've got El Jefe de Podcast. We've got Mr John Greer. How are you, John? What does El Jefe mean? The boss. <laughs> no, hardly, hardly. I'm good, thank you. Excellent. And then finally, oh, brown hair, great sense of humour, relatively new to Starks Park, but that's enough about Kevin Dabrowski. How are you doing, Christina? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. That's fine. So, um, Carol, we're just going to start with you, uh, obviously debuting on the podcast uh, tonight. Your thoughts on the season so far, how have you found it? Surprisingly good, but not surprisingly good. I think you knew the season was going to go well when the Twitter account went dick extension. There was only one way it was going to go. And I'm not going to use the pun, it was up. But yeah, it has been surprisingly good. The pessimistic side of me is like, when's the slip up coming? When is the... Because even though we lost to Airdrie, it felt like that wasn't a massive kick up the arse or a massive slip up. So yeah, I'm feeling it's going really well. Uh, quietly confident, quietly confident. Good. No, it's. Uh, I think it's understandable, uh, naturally across the support that we've we've generally had that consensus that we're we're doing very very well. As you say, the Airdrie game didn't really come in the sense that you never felt that we were completely out of it. So um, I feel that it's it's probably very similar to what a lot of the support are saying. Um, so this Saturday, as I mentioned, we're making the trip through Hamden, which is, you get the novelty factor of your trips to Hamden. It's always a bit of a surreal experience when you've got a thousand fans or so in a stadium that's 50,000. We've had good experiences there before in the past. We've watched our team win the league there before, which was, uh, I think it was back in 2008, 2009 season. So, Christina, just to turn to you, because we know that you love your statistics. What have you got lined up for us this evening? Yeah, I've got some stats. So, first I looked at the previous 10 matches. 70% go to the Rovers for a win, 20% to the Queen's Park, and then 10% were draws. So, it looks like it's in the Rovers' favour there. And then, form at home within the last five matches for Queen's Park, they've lost two, drew two, and won once. And then, for Wraith Rovers' away's form, five matches, they've won three lost to. Yeah. So still in the Rovers' favour, I would say, for yeah. Saturday. Um, I was looking at their form going into this game, and I think they've got four draws on the bounce. Before that, they were losing quite consistently. They're only on 13 points. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things go. Now, John, for yourself, um, what are your thoughts heading into Saturday's game? How are you feeling about it? I'm, I'm quite positive, because... I think Queen's Park, as we've all mentioned before, are a good possession-based team. So, but they seem to they seem to give up the ball quite easily. So, I think they're a good footballing team. Um, I think we've all said before we're we're surprised they didn't try and be a bit more defensive. And uh, so, I think it'll suit us going there. I think as well, the the people that we've got, the players we've got, um, it'll suit the suit us the big pitch there, um, and I'm I quite fancy us to go there and and get a win. 
Yeah, I'd, uh, I fully agree, and that's that's something that I think that we probably will come back to when we look at things from the Rovers' perspective later on, how, how it sort of benefits our style of play, that pitch. So, Scott, we, we were chatting a bit earlier on WhatsApp um, in, the, in the group about sort of our memories of playing at Hamden before you, you mentioned before the day that Graham Weir scored uh, the goal. Um, so, what were, you, what were your experiences and just going ahead into Saturday, how are you feeling about things? I will just touching on on obviously when we won the league in the two thousand eight nine season was, I mean that that's probably the first season that like I was at loads and loads of games like before that obviously because I was what in that season I would have been probably just starting high school so obviously I'm just only going to games when my dad's going to games sort of thing but. That that season was the first season that I was going pretty much every week home and away and stuff like that. So it was definitely one of my most memorable seasons anyway. But that that day itself, it was just everything about it just went our way, which it probably was the complete opposite uh, when Air beat us to the league, when it was again Aloe involved in it. But <laughs> no, it was that day was great. First minute, obviously, Graham Weir scoring, and then you just thought, well, but Queen's Park were playing for nothing, I'm sure. So they, it was almost like they were they didn't care what happened in the game, and then we were just like, well, as long as we don't concede, we're fine. <laughs> and then obviously the fans are starting to celebrate because Alawov scored against Air. Air aren't going to win the league, and obviously we know what happened the weekend after and the absolute monsoon at home to. Hard roof, but uh, no, it was a great day out, and uh, I've got uh, good memories of that day. Yeah, I think it, what's interesting for me was uh, looking back at that day. They they got a red card right at the end of the game, and you know who it was that got sent off. I can't even. I do remember that somebody getting yeah. sent off, but I can't even who it was. Was it not a young player making his debut? I can't quite remember who. It was uh, Barry Douglas who went on to oh, play yeah. Leeds, um, which is it's really st- strange when you look at that because that was something. It was uh, pre Andy Robertson, um, Queens yeah. Park that that they had that reputation for bringing through those young players. Before that, they had the uh, because they they had a really good team the few seasons before that Queens Park. They had um, just a lot of players, and we obviously stole. Uh, took Mark Ferry off their hands uh, very gratefully, uh, an excellent player, uh, excellent servant over a good few years for us, uh, Fez just, yeah, just came up with a lot of good contributions for us. Um, so just across the podcast, who, who are we thinking uh, will be sort of key for, for Queen's on Saturday, uh, looking ahead to the match? I reckon we've got to, uh, well, I'm just making sure that he's uh, fully fit, but if we can shut down Dom Thomas in terms of trying to restrict set pieces and just him cutting in on that left side, uh, then I think we'll be pretty comfortable, to be honest. I don't. I know they've got, obviously, Rory Payton up top, who's finding the goal, the, the net, more, more often than not, but again, a lot of his goals have kind of came for against teams that are either sort of down the bottom end of the league or they've came for the penalty spot. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's a tough one to say, but I I think if you stop Dom Thomas, you kind of stop a lot of their sort of threat going forward. Yeah, I think that Thomas has always been a bit of a wind-up merchant, particularly gets it tight from us, because even before he played for Dunfermline, he he was a player that was renowned for, for putting on performances for Dumbarton. And then... He moves to Dunfermline, and then naturally he's just going to attract a lot of stick. Uh, what are you thinking, Christina? Uh, normally, I'm a 5-0, 6-0. I've never gone quite to 7-0 yet. Normally, that's my prediction. But I'm only going to go 1-0, and that's because of Callum McKenna, because I was absolutely gobsmacked the last time we were at Thatch Park. So, this might change your prediction. I don't know if he's feeling okay. I think he's only just coming back from a, a sort of long-term injury. So I think that, um, it might be Callum Ferry that's in goals. Right, well, if it's Callum McKenna, I'm going 1-0. Okay. If it's not him, I'll go with a, I'll go with a 2-1 Rovers. But Callum McKenna is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I, I know that we've spoken 
at length about sort of players to keep an eye out for in the mm-hmm. future and players that we would like to see at Rovers, hypothetically, or, or sort of players that have stood out in the Championship so far. And I think he's deserved all the praise that he's received because he, he looks a tremendous young goalkeeper and one that can really go to a very high standard. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when he's back from his injury. And Carol, is there anyone for you that's sort of jumping out aside from those that have been mentioned, sort of Peyton and Thomas? Um... Not really. It's only Thomas has only, only come across my radar. I'm going to fully admit Queen's Park is not my area of expertise. Um, Fair. Uh, but I, looking at the, the, the stats, they're, they're conceding like two or three goals on average a game. So if we can sort of put pressure on them and shut down Thomas, like Scott said, I think let's go for 3-2, three, 3-1. Three, Be positive. I'm on the, always, I'm with Christina. I'm with the let's go high. Yeah, well, fingers crossed uh, that we we can sort of go down that route. Um, and I know that our games have been tight this season so far. Um, and last Saturday was no different with that with that one all draw against Airdrie. I think either team really could sort of say, and I know that we've spoken about it uh, in the sort of post match of uh, on Sunday that either team really could have probably been looking at three points. Um, and for yourself, John, um, anyone for you that's jumping out in particular? No, not really. Um, I always think um, a man that served us quite well when he was on loan to us was Louis Longridge. And, uh, I'll, I, you know, when you see them playing on a Friday night, he's a guy that I always look out for because he's, he's a really nice bloke and still has a lot of time for the Rovers. And we're fondly remembered for that wonder goal against Rangers that he scored. Um, but I think, I think well, who was the fullback that we said that was decent for them? That, ben McPherson. Yes, yeah, he's he's a decent player. So I think across the board they are are, are they're a good footballing team. Don Don Thomas, as you said, Scott, he's the one that kind of makes them tick. And if anybody's going to be a thorn in their side, it'll probably be him. But let's see. So I'm not sure if my stats were right on this one. I went a wee bit Cristiano mode and, and deep diving into to the uh, the old soccer stats, but it, I don't think they've actually won in the league since the 19th of August. Um, so do you think there's maybe a bit of pressure there on Veldman to try and get that win uh, to get off the mark? Or do you think that because it's a bit more of a longer-term project, I'll just put this out to everyone, because it's a bit more of a longer-term project, they'll probably likely get a bit more leeway um, it's a tough one, as you say, because I mean everybody was uh, like, especially on sort of when it comes to on a Saturday, you get BBC Sports in there, and they're all talking up Queens Park being this great thing, and how they were. I think they were like eleven points for like five games or something. And they were at the top before, but then they had played like two games more than everybody because they were playing on a weekend that everybody else was either off or. There was yeah. cup games or something. I, I can't mind the reason, but they caught Arbroath twice as well. Aye, and so that's what got them. They got they got Arbroath twice. They played I think Inverness and Morton, and they were all the teams that are still down the bottom. So it was kind of like, well, let's wait until they actually play somebody decent and see. And then, as you see, they've been. I mean, they've had a lot of close games, like three two is what what have been saying. But I mean. You're clearly not that good if you're losing these sort of games, whereas we've been winning these tight sort of games. So it, it is difficult to call, but I'm not sure if they would look at sacking somebody when they've been told that they're on this sort of road to let's play all of these youth players and they've got the odd guy that's about 30 just filtered in to give them experience. But I'd be shocked if like even come Christmas they've not even really won many more games and he gets sacked. I would be shocked. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Even even when we played them at Starch, the red card, it it was a weird one um, in the sense that even going into that game, Queens almost sort of grew into the game with the red card. It was a, a, almost a cliche of like um, they're playing better with the ten men, um, but we got those two late goals that were very very enjoyable from Lewis Vaughan um, and I think we saw angry Lewis Vaughan that day which is always a funny thing to see when he's storming about the pitch 
um, desperate to get a goal, which again it wouldn't surprise me if we see that again uh, come Saturday um, if he's starting. So looking at Rovers um, to to move on to our side of things, uh, Jamie Gullen and Jack Hamilton have both trained all week according to the press. It was touched on in uh, the Race TV interview as well. Um, so that gives us options off the bench now. Just if we're starting, um, do you think that they should come in automatically, or would you guys be sticking with the the sort of lineup that we've gone with before, just remain consistent? I would remain consistent for the moment and just know that you've got the backup. I think it's just a, a good feeling to have to know that you've got them there anyway. Jamie Gullen, he has moments of magic sometimes when he comes on as a sub. He came when well, the Inverness game. He came on and scored the winner. So. I don't know. I don't think I'd play him right away. As I've said loads of times on this, I like the Lewis Bond Callum Smith combo. Um, so I'd maybe just stick to that. I would. I would agree. I. I would think. I think Ian Murray's shown in the past. You know, when people have come back, like Dylan Easton had a suspension, and he's never really got back in the team as a starting player. So I think. I think. He knows that he goes with the guys that are in form, that are in the team, and it's up to them then to when they get their chance to come in. No doubt. No, sorry, Christina. Yeah. That's okay. I was going uh, to say that's what Lewis Vaughan had actually said in one of his interviews, yeah. wasn't it? I yeah. think it's quite good for the mentality to have that little bit of competition. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if Vaughan will get dropped, not dropped, but put on the bench to make him hungry to score and bring him on. Yeah, I mean... It, but I, that's, I've just got this feeling that he might not start on Saturday. Who's that? Sorry? Vaughan. I'm wondering if he'll get put on the bench just to make him a little bit hungrier for, for a goal. Now, see, for me, I think I think Lewis Vaughan, for me, has done really well this season. When he was out the team, he... Um, Came in against Queen's Park, got his two goals, and then he's. I, I I'm I'm quite pleased the way that Lewis Vaughan's played in the games this season. You know, his his injuries are everybody knows about his injuries that he's had, but he's shown a really consistent run of form just now. The goal he scored against Dundee United was was I thought was a great goal, um, and I know that. Last Saturday, he looked a bit annoyed to be brought off, um, but that's what you want. You know, you you guys are talking about an angry Lewis Vaughan. That's what you want. You want yeah. that hunger. You want that desire, and uh, hopefully, he doesn't get dropped. Sorry, Carol. No, not maybe I've dropped. Dropped was the wrong word. I'm thinking that maybe yeah, yeah. tactically put him, make him hangry. So hungry and angry, a combination of the two, make him hangry for some. Some goals. Yeah, I think it's 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 a very interesting one, um, and I I don't think anyone could ever grudge Lewis Vaughan for feeling that way if he was angry as such. I mean, we we obviously don't know how he's feeling, and it's very much up to Ian Murray and 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 the the, the management to how to handle that sort of situation. But yeah, you want to see him on the pitch, and he is that type of player as well. He's not going to be fully at it every single game because frankly no player at our level is but when he is you get games like the Queen's Park game where he comes on um, and gets that double and he's got that impact and it's goals that you might not expect like you had the, the second one was a poacher's effort but the first one was a header in the box which I don't think anyone would have really foreseen so yeah you, you've definitely got that element there um, looking towards the back of the pitch as well Dylan Corr's back in training uh, which was really good to see and there's been an update that Ross Matthews seems to be progressing well but Ian Murray's tempered expectations about both of them saying so just give them the time um, so they must be really really hungry to get back if we were talking about hungry players um, those two I've mentioned it before but those two must be desperate to get back in the squad so how do you think that will go when they get back in just open it to the floor Um, I, I'm not well I know Ross Matthews will be absolutely chomping at the bit because he's been out for ages. I mean, what did he play four games last season? Something, something like that. So, and then yeah, he got he he came back. Was it like November time last year and played 
like four games or something like that and then got injured again. And then obviously he played that sort of 90 minutes up at Munchos and that just, yeah, everybody thought, all oh, right, he's back. And then he, he was out injured again. So it was just the case that, well, luckily for us, we were able to obviously bring in Sean Byrne, who's played that sort of Ross Matthews role. But um, no, I, I can imagine he'll be chomping at the bit, as I said. But Dylan Court, I mean, he's a young lad still, and he's only played, what, even one season of like proper sort of men's football when they played last season with the Celtic B team because they were playing in the Lowland League last season. So obviously this season was a sort of big jump for him. And you could see he was obviously enjoying getting game time in the League Cup group games, but you could also see very early on that he was going to be somebody that the fans were going to have to give time because he, he did have a mistake in him. But what is he, 19, 20? Yeah. So, he, I mean, he's only like a year or two older than Adam Masson, for instance. So he's a, he's somebody that we're going to have to give time once he does get back fit. But it will be good to see these sort of guys coming back because all it does is just bolster the squad and just make it even more competitive to try and even not be sat in the stand on a Saturday. Yeah, I think it's a great point about Cor, um, that, I mean... Even when you're playing that Lowland League level, there's a, such a big jump between the Lowland League level to where we are at the moment. And I know that um, I think that he did look very raw at points in the League Cup, but then also he had really, really good moments where he stood out and he, he's done well. I thought that um, going into the derby, there was one moment which jumped out as it might have been a bit of naivety, but then at the same time, the rest of the game, he looked absolutely fine. Um, and I didn't have any sort of questions, and I thought, as that game went on, you could see him, you could pretty much see him growing in confidence minute by minute um, as the game went on. So it'll be interesting to see how Cor does when he does get back into the team. Um, so just for you, John. On, yeah, can I just say on, on Dylan Cor, you can imagine a young guy comes to the, the club, he signs a one-year deal, and we're talking now mid-November, that he's missed such a, a period of the season. You have to feel for him because he's, he's been given his chance here to show what he can do, and it's been so badly curtailed by, by the injury he picked up. So hopefully when he comes back, he doesn't come in and he's over-eager to, to impress, you know, um, and that he's able to, to get a wee chance. I think just seeing him about and the, the type of person that he is, he comes across as being very level-headed. I know that you'll you'll have a bit more experience, sort of John and Christina, in terms of probably speaking to players, but just comes across as being very down-to-earth, level-headed, um, and knows the sort of circumstances that he's in. So, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Um, must be very frustrating to be in a position like that where you sign on a one-year deal and then you just see it fritter time sort of frittering away and you're trying to get back from injury and then you get another setback so yeah uh looking forward to to seeing him when he does get back so john you you mentioned earlier on uh you sort of touched upon this so hamden's obviously going to be quite an expansive ground to play in um how much do you guys think it's going to benefit us um and our style of play to have that sort of the the wider pitch um and the sort of more expansive area to go out and play into and be a bit more direct yeah, I think it. I think it will suit our our style of play. Um, Sam Stanton on his marauding runs and uh, the way that he could link up with. Uh, I saw that little smirk there, Christina. Yep, um, the champion of Sam Stanton. Woohoo! But I nearly said oh. best player in the championship, but I didn't. And see, I did it there. I was going yeah. to interrupt. Right. Well. I think it will suit us. Um, it will suit our play. Um, I think um, having having the, you know, we've we've spoken about it before, where we get our wee triangles going and get the ball moving. And um, if the pitch is slick, I, I imagine it will suit us very well. Yeah, it's. Um... I mean, it's always, a, as I said at the start, it's an interesting place to go and watch your side play football because there is, you go from maybe playing, especially when you're in League One, like we'd historically been with them, you go and play at these sort of tight 
grounds like Aloe was notoriously sort of bad. I mean, I'll probably have someone quoting pitch dimensions to me at some point. Um, but yeah, it just feels like you go there and it's just very surreal to be sitting in that sort of stadium. Um, and you go there with the Scotland games and it's absolutely bouncing full to the brim. And then you go there with Rovers and it's a completely different atmosphere. You can hear the players shouting at each other. But then you, you end up with a lot of fond memories. I, I still remember going through it. I, I think it was a cup game that we played them, uh, Scottish Cup, and um, Willis Furtado scored that absolute rocket of a goal, um, whatever happened to him. So, yeah, um, as I say, just a... a <laughs> A serial place to watch it. Did we score five that day? I think maybe I, we did. I remember there was it a was game. It was a five nothing five. win. Yeah. I, I remember there was one because one of the games that we played against them was when Reagan Henry made his debut, but he only got about a minute. Uh, and everyone had said about Barry Smith, like, why is he not playing this lad from Celtic? For ages, we were waiting and waiting and waiting on Reagan Henry to make his debut, and then eventually he did, and then he started gradually getting more and more. Sort of game time, and then uh, became the player that we know and love. Um, so I'm pretty sure that um, Willis Furtado goal won goal of the season that year at the awards. It wouldn't have surprised me because it was brilliant that season. Is <laughs> uh, uh, Willis Furtado just Willis Furtado? I really, really liked him. By the way, he was good. See, see, when he signed, I genuinely thought this guy's going to win us the league, and then yeah. it just. It, and then I saw him walking down Kirkcaldy High Street with six Kinder Buenos under his hand, and I thought, this guy is not going to win us this league. Um, I remember, I remember when I saw him down Kirkcaldy High Street, and I started screaming, "Oh, Willis Furtado!" <laughs> I think he thought it was a total celeb. Ah, it wouldn't, Made it wouldn't surprise me. Made his day. Sure. He went back and bought another chocolate bar. Ah, More Kinder Buenos. Just. Uh, off to Norway. I don't think they've got fish suppers over in Norway, so he's probably just on a diet of salmon and rice now and just absolutely shredded to the bone because he ended up... Let's bring him back. Let's get him signed again. Um, I think no. certain uh, certain fish bars in Kirkcaldy would be happy with that decision if we could. Um, also podcast listeners as well, apparently. Um, so yeah, um, just to go back to it, so looking for predictions for Saturday, so Christina and Carol, we obviously heard yours already. Scott, what are you what are you thinking for Saturday? Uh, well, just before going on uh, like a score prediction or anything, I I really I think I kind of touched it on Sunday that I would actually make one or two changes to the side because I'm really wanting to get Dylan Easton back in the starting team because he's now had a few games coming off 20, 30 minutes here and there. So I think now he's had... A couple of weeks where he's sort of again we'll come back to it. He's hungry to be starting again, and he and he's looking good coming off the bench. So, and the player that I would look to drop is probably Josh Mullen, which some people might say it's deserved. Some it's probably fifty-fifty with him that he brings you that bit of quality just with one delivery. But at the same time, you get kind of fifty, sixty minutes of nothing that you or that you don't notice him. Whether he he's actually working hard off the ball, it, he just doesn't seem to do a lot. Whereas you always are seeing Aidan Connolly like his tenacity, just running about constantly, buzzing about trying to get the ball back and whatever. So I I would probably bring an Easton to play on that left side and then push starting up one in the number ten because if you've got them to bouncing around with Callum Smith and Vaughan, I think we're going to cause havoc for them. I would agree with that because I think Stanton was too far back. So I would agree with pushing Stanton up because I feel like he's much better. Um, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. I feel like we've seen... I feel like Josh Mullins actually probably improved a fair bit um, when he's been played out on the left um, and just cutting in and being able to get those deliveries. It's it's a tricky one because with Easton, you always know that you're getting that moment of quality. Um, and he's always got something there in his locker to be able to pull it out. It might not work every time, but again, it's much like Lewis Vaughan, where you just hope that you're going to get that moment of magic, and more often than not, um, he does have that there. Um, I think, Robbie, that's why a wise man once said he was the best player in the championship. Very true, very true. I mean, that's the, the podcast line as it was, and then a certain Sam Stanton came along and was winning polls and scoring goals. Um <laughs> I think 
up top it will be interesting as well. Um, with Callum Smith, actually, that's probably a point that we should cover off as well. Um, Callum Smith getting in behind the defence worked very well for us, resulting in a goal on Saturday, and he's done it all season, as we've sort of discussed. So just to go to yourself, Carol, um, do you think that, again, we've been speaking about this sort of larger picture, uh, Hamden and sort of more expansive play, being able to play a sort of more direct style. One of their centre-backs, I think it's Charlie Fox, is renowned as maybe not being the quickest. Um, do you think that it's an opportunity for Callum Smith as well to be able to sort of make his mark on the game? I think so. Looking at the, let's go back to stats, looking at the stats, we've scored most of our goals in the box. We're not good at set pieces. We're not good outside the box. We need to get in there. So if we can get behind and just take advantage, then I think that's a good opportunity. And if they're a little bit slow and just not quite on the ball, I think that's where we've got the advantage. Because that seems to be what we're better at this season, is we don't put our heads down and give up. Even if we are a little bit slower, we're still, going back for that word, the podcast, hungry to get better. Last season, if we were down in the last 10 minutes, you kind of knew that this was not going anywhere. This wasn't going to happen. But, I mean, Scott, you must be on the commentary. Most weeks, Callum Smith is the name that's mentioned majority of the time. It's the name that you hear getting mentioned a lot of the time on the commentary. Because like Scott said on previous podcasts, you don't see what's happening off the ball, so you're not sure if someone's kind of working off the ball. But Callum Smith's name is constantly mentioned. Yeah, I think it's... um... It is an interesting one because it's maybe the type of game that you would want Smith to play, but at the same time, it's it's very tricky as well because if you've got Hamilton coming back and you've got Gullen coming back and maybe you've played so many games recently, how many times can you go back to the well with the same players even though they've been getting results for you? So it's it's a very tricky one for Ian Murray to find the right balance on, I feel. Um, to be able to, to get that correct. but um, It's nice to have the dilemma. Yeah, far better than uh, <laughs> sitting watching, especially compared to last season. I mean, last season, you had your starting 11, and then that was it. And yeah, yeah. Very, I think that we, we toiled a lot of the time when you were looking at the bench and you're seeing sort of the, the players that were available. Very difficult situation to, yeah. to sort of handle there. So, yeah, you definitely take it, but at the same time, it's how it's how the problem's handled as well this time around so John what are your uh, what are your thoughts on that I think um, there, there is another thing that we've had a, a whole week this week of uh, no games so I think um, that is that's something so I think the batteries will be quite recharged but I know that the the two Gullen and, and Hamilton being available again um I think was it you, Scott, that said it's maybe an opportunity to change things up a wee bit and and change it. That's that's the other thing. We've got Plan A, we've got Plan B, and we've probably got a Plan C now that that we could all implement. I know that Carol, you said that we haven't scored many goals from set pieces, but we've got we've got the, the extra dimension back now that Aidan Connolly, who you know, is very good at um, set plays. So he's back in on the scene. So it's it's a great it's a great situation to be in for Ian Murray to have so many uh, uh, players available, but also different formations that he can go with now. Yeah, I think it's um, it's well worth mentioning that just the, the the ability to be able to change it as well as huge if you fall behind and we've seen that a few times already this season that Ian Murray will ring the changes when it's been needed so yeah it's as Carol mentioned before I don't think we can really have any complaints that we've got this problem now but at the same time it's still a problem in itself um so yeah we took a little detour there but we'll head back towards the predictions now I think so Scott you're not getting away with it uh, what are your thoughts for for Saturday heading into it uh nah overall I'm pretty confident and as we've said before that Queen's Park are a team that have been involved in quite a few high scoring games this season so I'm expecting goals in this one and with us getting these sort of guys back uh, I'm expecting yeah that we can keep going for 90 minutes change it up if we need to but I'm going to go 3-1 Rovers Sounds good and John how about for yourself? He's just nicked my score I was going ah. 3-1 I was going 3-1 Rovers Yeah um, 
I'll change it then. I'll I'll go I'm gonna go three nothing. I'm gonna say the boys, the meatheads at the back and Big Kev are gonna get a, another clean sheet. So we'll go three nothing for me. I'm trying to think back now because I think he, uh, you and Murray might have been one of the scorers when we've played at Hamden when we were playing in League One actually. So maybe it, yeah. Yeah, it does seem to ring a bell that, but that's actually something that uh, I think um, you and Murray's maybe drew a bit of a goal. Um, he's had a few chances and he's been maybe a bit unlucky in front of goal. Um, had the one in the derby where uh, he had the header that was over the bar and he had one against Airdrie I think as well away from home. So. Uh, First spell, he was quite prolific in front of goal. He's got a track record of maybe getting um, on the end of set pieces. So maybe at some point soon we'll see him popping in with Bobby, a goal. Bobby, just before you go on, you've just prompted a memory for me and that's something we'll see at the, the Hall of Fame and that's a Jason Thompson goal at Hamden as well. Oh, aye. Jason scored a raker at Hamden and... And without giving too much away, that will feature on the night at the Hall of Fame. So there you are. Here's yeah, I do. Uh, I remember that goal because it was up the uh, it was up the uh, East End, wasn't it? Of yeah. And uh, it was that uh, that might have been one of the high scoring games, and he's just absolutely wellied it in. But yeah, looking forward to seeing that again because uh, not yeah. not seen that one in a wee while. Um. So yeah, the. That will cover us off in terms of the Queen's Park game, unless anyone else has got anything else to add into that. Are we all quite content? No. Sounds good. Um, just one thing to mention before we do move on um, to, to this week's big question. Um, I think we're keeping it a bit of a shorter episode this week. Um, supporters Bus is going to be running for the Dunfermline game. Now, the Sporters Bus has actually been doing quite well in terms of its seats that have been getting sold recently. Um, so all the buses up to the Dunfermline game are now sold out. Uh, there's 16 seats left for the Parge game away um, in the Scottish Cup. So there is a Facebook group for that. What I'll do is I'll leave a link um, in the description for the video or on YouTube. And I'll also make sure that it's added onto Twitter as well. So that if you are looking for a way to get it to East End Park on that night, um, Stevie's a really good guy, done a really good job in terms of running the bus, um, leaving from Cody. So, yeah, um, I will make sure to leave that there for you. Um, and if you are looking to make the trip along for the Derby game, then that is going to be there. So, to move on to our big question for this week, and um, we did a bit of a deep dive after going through, raking through the, memor um, the memorabilia um, and going through all the uh, the full details that we had there. Um, we had a bit of a discussion because we wanted to, to mention the unsung heroes of Starks Park. So we had a bit of a think. Um, and who are the people that are involved in the club? Uh, because I was having a chat with another fan and we were sort of discussing maybe people behind the scenes that they do get recognised, but it's worth calling it out and it's never a bad thing to give people recognition for good work. So... What we'll do is we're going to start off with yourself, John. Who is it that you've got as an unsung hero um, involved at Starks Park? Well, I think um, it was mentioned on the our chat earlier. I think the girls in the office do a, a really good job. Um, they, you know, they, they've they've had uh, a lot of ticketed games recently that they've had to. To work on that, but they over the number of years they they do a really good job, and uh, I think they're the unsung heroes of the club. Yeah, fully agree. Um, I've become familiar with Laura in terms of the fan panel. Um, same with Christina as well, and she's always been really nice. Just and they do so much work in terms of the club, getting things organised, getting ticket sales. Um, just you've got your season tickets as well at the start of the year. And just overall, the work that it goes on behind the scenes, and I think it's it's very easy to sort of gloss over and overlook it. So fair play to them for for the efforts that they put in, and uh, yeah, all very friendly, really nice to speak to. Um, and again, fair play to them for for the work that they do, because a lot of it might not get recognised. You sort of go down, get a ticket, and then you you disappear off, um, and you don't see how much effort is going on behind the scenes. Um, Carol, yeah, Robbie, Robbie, I, can I just also say? The ones that we've we've mentioned before is the Wraith TV team. You know, they 
they do such a good job for everybody, you know. I think for a club our size to have the output that or the quality of the output that that Davey and and the boys put together is quite phenomenal. So well, John, they are, that, that I've stolen your thunder. That is going to lead very nicely, and I want to give a huge amount of praise to to Ian Grieve. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Ian in particular, Rafe TV, obviously, they get a lot of credit for the work that they do. Um, and you'll see Davy and Neil uh, about the club and everything that they do um, is fantastic. They've done such a good job in terms... And again, COVID, we were so far ahead of the game in terms of COVID and yeah. the situation there. Because if it wasn't for Rafe TV, we would have been stuck saying, how do you get a club TV service going? Well, we didn't have to ask that question. It was all about how do we improve that? But Ian, uh, Ian Grieve in particular, um, he's the one that on your Saturday night when you're waiting patiently for midnight to come to, to watch as we've scalped Dunfermline or we've got two late goals against Queen's Park or Jamie Gullins smashed in an absolute raker against uh, Cali Fissel to end that godly, ridiculous run that they had against us. Ian's the one that's putting the match highlights together and I'm fully of the belief that he would have them prepped and ready and the only reason that we've got to wait for midnight is because of daft rules from the SPFL with the, the broadcasting loss. Um, he just does such good work in terms of putting content together for the club. Um, so a shout out to Ian uh, for everything that he does and as part of the Race TV. And again, just to extend that the full Race TV team in general and just the work, you look at the comments that get put in from opposition fans when they're watching the game maybe from overseas um, and they're saying, our club's got a TV service, but why don't we have ex-players on to talk about it? Because uh, you had Dunfermline fans saying that about Stevie Tosh uh, in the latest derby, saying that he'd, he'd been on uh, to sort of speak about his experiences in games and how he'd done. So, yeah, I think that's a great shout, John. So, fair play to, to all of them. Um, so, we will turn next to yourself, Carol. Who is it that you had in mind? Well, you've both told them it was Race TV. Because, yeah, I mean, I remember when Race TV started and it was a small aerial in the railway stand with a tin foil booster would be the best description of it, trying to get the signal across to the, the little cubby hole to broadcast and just like crossing your fingers it would go and just how far the service has come. And how this, but Race TV started, I think with the, the, the podcast, the treatment table, just having that and sort of being able to have contact because I'm old enough that when I moved here, there was no race TVs, there was no podcast. It was phoning my mum and saying, what's in the Fife Free Press this week? And get my mum to to tell me what was in the Fife Free Press story those weeks. And then found the podcast, got friendly with Davey, and then race TV appeared. Because before there was pictures, it was just audio. It was audio for a while. And I think it, they've just done one, and they're not trained. They're not, this is not, they're not TV professionals who've set up a TV channel. They're people who've discovered along the way. Yeah. And I, I think th it's just amazing. I think it's very easy. Davey, I've spoken to Davey uh, on a, a few occasions now, um, and I've been lucky enough to sort of get to see how the systems and how things operate with Rafe TV. And that is something that I think is quite an interesting point because... Again, everyone sort of looks at Rafe TV and thinks, oh, I could do that. I could sit and commentate on a game. But nobody thinks, oh, I could edit a video and do this or that or, or all the background work that you maybe don't yeah. think about that goes into it. So, yeah, um, it's 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 very uh, interesting to see that side of things and how much time and effort's put in. And it's such a cl classy production that they put on. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. John? And all, the, and all the volunteers. <laughs> I think all the volunteers. Especially when I've got the involvement with International Women's Day, everyone is so happy and so eager to help, not just for for the club, doing it because they do it because they love it. So I think yeah. every volunteer is an unsung hero in the club. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, um, the backing that Wraith TV got from Rovers Down South, financial backing to upgrade things as well, shouldn't, shouldn't go unmerited as well because they put money in when things were needed for upgrading the system. So they've done away with the tinfoil now. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that see when you get involved with the club, I think it's we we've spoken about quite recently. John, you mentioned on the last podcast, you you talk about Ali, uh, Ali Gurley, um, yeah, and he's the epitome of it um, in the sense that like this is your club. You, the opportunities to get involved, if you want to get involved, are always going to be there, um, and don't ever shy away from that, and don't ever feel that there, there's no opportunity or you don't know the right people or, or it might be clicky or things like that. See, when you get to know people, everyone involved in the club is just so, so good um, just because everyone's just got this sheer, sheer passion um, when you're involved. And that's, I think, our first meeting that we had when we were saying that. Again, the podcast, we're sort of following the, the footsteps of K107 and the, the hard work that Graham and the rest of the crew, obviously a few of them involved in now have done. The reason that we've got this podcast on the go is because we all just love this football club. Um, it might not make sense. It might not be easy. It might be daft 99.9% of the time. But yeah, that's, you just, um, and there's been so many people that have contacted about the podcast and sort of said positive things. So yeah, um, it's the same with all aspects of the club. You've definitely got your opportunities there if you want to get involved, and they're never going to shy away from that. So, aside from Rafe TV and the team in the office, um, who are our other unsung heroes? Have we got any others? I have one, but I just want to say one more thing about David Hancock. David Hancock is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, and he is actually a professional, because see, when you're listening to the interviews, I sometimes listen to Davey more than Ian Murray. And I listen to Davey and I'm like, how did you know how to ask that question in that way? Mm-hmm. He's actually amazing. And I love the fact that he's always there with his wife and his daughter who help and stuff. And it's just like, it just shows what this club is all about. And it's yeah. like about family. And it's just, Davey will speak to you like he's known you for 30 years when he's met yeah. you for 30 seconds. So just want to say that. But my other unsung hero is a man called Ian Stewart. And Ian um, is there every single home game and he takes charge of the ball attendant. So whenever a parent drops him off, I'm sometimes there round and about, but Ian's always there before me and stands in his suit jacket with his Rovers emblem on it and greets them all. And then out of his own pocket, gets them juice and sweets and a snack for half time and looks after them all day. He's always there. He's at the side of the pitch. And at the end, he tidies up and he takes her jackets and he's a very friendly man and he's absolutely lovely. And he's done that job for years. And again, as one of those people that never shout about it, doesn't make a song and dance about it, he'd probably be quite embarrassed that I've given him a mention because he probably sees it as a as a duty to the club. He's just that kind of guy that wouldn't expect any recognition, which is even nicer. Yeah, that's a, a great suggestion. Um, and... Again, we all know that the impact that volunteers have at the club and just the, the time and effort that goes into things. So I think it's a fantastic shout to, to sort of give my mention. Um, and is there any other, Scott? Have you got any to... Uh, well, I've got three that I suppose I haven't really been mentioned. All right, calm down there, Blair Hopcroft. But... What's going on? <laughs> Obviously, well, seeing as everyone else has kind of chimed in, I, I wanted to have my own wee rave TV thing of... I'm somebody that's, like Carol, been living abroad for quite a few years now. So I've u- I've been using it since about probably 2015-16 season. And, I mean, I've met Davey and Neil maybe twice in person. But they sp- as uh, Christina said as well, the way that they're describing games, but only also they're adding in sort of personal details and little things about it. It's almost like they're, they've been a part of your life for ages, yet they're just there on a Saturday talking about the game, talking nonsense to whoever's co-commentating, and then, yeah. But no, we've... uh, So for somebody like myself, I'm very grateful that we've got a club that I've got people involved in all this sort of stuff that that I can watch a game on a Saturday when I'm not not even in the country. So stuff like that is definitely uh, needs to be recognised. But... uh, one of the guys is actually in this call, and it's the uh, John. He's a uh, <laughs> he get. I mean, obviously he gets recognised just in the ground himself. But like jo- John, I've known John for years because he sits. Well, he did sit right next to my dad, uh, season ticket holder for years, and 
the stories that I used to get for John and for uh, other guys that sat around there as well, Phil, who's done the programme and stuff like that, like, they're always telling me about guys that were before my time and also just what they do for the club. John's obviously heavily involved with the Hall of Fame nights. He's taken on the former players sort of role for Ali. Ali was also on my list. Ali Gurley was another guy that just was brilliant around the club, helping out and also just organising stuff for former players as well. And I mean, I, when you go to like away grounds, obviously you don't know um, all the information because you're not involved with that club, but I don't see anybody club-wise dealing with former players the way that we do. Yeah. Like I, you never really hear people at half time them doing. They might come on for a draw, but I don't hear people say, "Oh, they're doing co-coms or they're doing this with the club or they're coming to do this event." Like I think what what guys like John and Ali have done have been uh, yeah superb. And my last guy would be Simon the Kitman. Any I think any football club that that's lucky enough to have a Kitman, they the. I can imagine the rubbish that they have to deal with with guys just flinging strips or shorts or socks or whatever just around the dressing room. Non-slip probably... socks. <laughs> well, <laughs> he might What's need to scrape them off before now. <laughs> but it's, like I can imagine that he's there till whatever time and he's he'll be there well before the guys are even arriving at the ground to make sure that they're all, all their strips are all ready, everything's all ready for them, so... Somebody like a kit man as well just should always get a bit of recognition as that they are also helping everything tick along. Yeah, it's uh, very, very reasonable suggestions there and I totally agree with all of them. Um, just It's very easy to forget about things like that, like stuff like that, that goes on behind the scenes. And uh, again... John, for yourself, I can only echo what's been said there, and you were so enthusiastic when it was coming to sort of setting up the podcast, and just sort of uh, one of the first discussions that me and Scott had, Scott was the person I contacted to sort of say, right, we had a bit of a chat about it, and sort of saying, we think this is something that we, we want to move forward with, and we want to get people involved with, and straight away was like, I'll ask John Greer, because I know him, and he's, he, I'm certain that he'll be enthusiastic about it and again it's all just about the passion that we've got for the club and everyone you get a lot of people that will come in as maybe just working at the club and again that goes to the office staff as well you see them and they are fully invested in the club they're it's not a case of this is a job for me it's very much a case of you see them about the ground and they're so happy when we win as well so yeah uh, kudos to everyone that's uh, involved that, that gives so much to the club and um, would just an opportunity to really say thank you to them all. Um, so yeah, on behalf of the podcast and everyone involved, thank you for uh, everything that you do. Um, so that will round us off nicely. As ever, we will be back on Sunday um, with our post-match review of the, our trip to Hamden and the Queen's Park game. Um, so it'll be a good evening from me um, and I'll, I'll allow the rest of the crew to say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Cheers for listening.